president leaves 300,000 guns on the ground to be picked up by the Taliban and then lectures us on the responsibility of gun ownership? Of course, this is the same man signing bills into law denying the biology of sex, confusing the right to decide which bathroom to use, stating anyone who doesn't agree is a terrorist and should be red flagged into oblivion? Clearly someone needs a good strong shot of the truth. Good thing we're here. We're TNN. The Truth News Network. And here's Dan Newman. Are you ready for your Tuesday shot? (laughs) Well, come on in. The doctor's in the house, Dr. Dan. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Tuesday. Welcome to TNN Live, and thank you so much for being here. Boy, we have a big, 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 big show today. Lots to talk about and lots to listen to. Right out of the courtroom in Washington, D.C., Steve Baker, our, uh, I guess, what do we call him, a photojournalist, investigative journalist, whatever title he wants to wear, he's going to be with us at the top of the second hour. We had Congressman Mike Johnson at the top of the second hour yesterday. If you missed his being here, you need to hear some of the things he had to say to the questions I asked him. And we really got in there um dig deep as much time as we had. We got as much as Congressman Johnson had time to give us, but you need to listen to that. You can go grab the podcast yesterday. Just look at the date. If you'll go to like, um, let's see, Apple podcast. If you got an iPhone, you come, you, uh, the phone comes with the Apple podcast app. It's a little purple thing, maybe a cross between purple and pink. It, it usually pops out when you look at it. It's on your home screen unless you've removed it. But anyway, click on that. And in the search bar, type this, TNN Live, TNN Live. And that little logo, the one that you see when you uh, go to the website, truthnewsnet.org, it's got that mock of my ugly face. <laughs> You'll see that when you go looking for TNN Live. And when it pops up, if you look, the most recent show is at the very top. So that would be yesterday's show, October 24th, with Congressman Mike Johnson. Now, he was with us the second hour. So if you don't want to listen to the first hour, and I'll be hurt if you don't, but if you don't have time or you really don't, or maybe you heard part of the show and don't want to listen to that repeat, just fast forward. It's an hour into it, and... uh, The interview with Congressman Johnson lasts about 20 minutes. As I said, Steve Baker will be with us, giving us the update on what's going on in the Oath Keepers trial. Five of those horrible insurrectionists that stormed the U.S. Capitol with guns a-blazing. The Oath Keepers. Yeah, right. That's the picture that the mainstream media and Democrats have been painting of those men. There wasn't a single gun, not a, a single gun on any of them. None in their cars, none in their hotel rooms. How do we know that? Because the FBA stormed those hotel rooms and the cars, and they patted down all these Oath Keepers. They didn't find one gun. Crap. That ruined the narrative that they knew they could use to justify to the American public how egregious, how horrible all of those demonstrators that were at the Capitol on January 6th, led by these insurrectionists. 
their story about January 6th, the Democrat story. It's falling apart every day. New information comes out. When that select committee opens their mouths, anybody on it in a hearing, they're caught lying, they're caught misrepresenting the facts, and they're caught telling lies that we find out they're telling lies, which is kind of a stupid thing to do. Don't you think? I mean, when you were a kid, sometimes you bent the truth. And sometimes mom or dad or both never found out that you bent the truth. And sometimes you just flat out lied. I don't know how it was at your house, but it seemed like every time I flat out lied, I got caught and I got whooped. Well, your parents, how could they do that physically assaulting their son? (laughs) You call it whatever you want it. It got the job done. I learned after enough of those whoopings that if I didn't lie, I wouldn't get one of those. So guess what I did? I quit lying. (laughs) Novel idea, huh? Wouldn't it be wonderful if everybody in Washington, D.C. subscribed to that mentality? There's so much lying going on up there. Oh, my gosh. How can you tell if a politician is lying if their mouth is moving? (laughs) It seems like it's automatic if you're a politician. You have to be willing to at least bend the truth a little bit. Maybe not calling it a lie. I pressed Congressman Mike Johnson yesterday. And let me just tell you this. In full disclaimer, he's a good friend of mine. And I know him. And so that gives me a different perspective of him. Not everybody in D.C. is dishonest. But for the American people, it's really tough to figure out which one is and which one isn't. So what do you have to do? Pretty much, unless you want to spend all your time digging in and looking and listening to everything they said and written, unless you can do that and find out the truth, the deep, deep truth, you just got to come up with your own perception. And most of them in Congress especially, and oh, by the way, in the White House, they're really good at couching the facts, bending them just enough so they can get away with doing that without being labeled as liars. So what's the default position regarding the validity of what comes out of Washington, D.C.? Sadly, if you're a Democrat, you're going to lean towards taking whatever your Democrat candidates or your Democrat officials in the government have to say. You're going to give them the benefit of the doubt. So then somebody else has got to come in and present something different if there's uh, any opposition or there's disbelief at what your Republican or Democrat candidate or in-office person has to say that's in question. Why don't we do this? Why don't we start at zero, just right in the middle, and not make a decision that's predetermined on the validity of what these people are saying? Let them say it, and then let's go verify they're telling the truth. Here's what I knew growing up. My dad had some, I had a tough relationship with my dad in the late going. I won't get into that story, but he left mom and me when I was 15. Mother had a nervous breakdown, and it changed my life forever, not only her. She recovered, thankfully, and she finished her life well. I'm still trying to get to the finish of mine well, and so far it's been pretty 
I've been pretty fortunate with everything and everybody in my life. Great family. Oh my gosh, I am so blessed. Wife of 47 years, six grandchildren, all of them, listen to this, all of them, we have three kids, six grandchildren, all of them except one live within five miles of us. We get to see them anytime and every time we want to. We're with them all the time, by the way. They and they love being with us. Nani and Poppy are just a regular fixture in their lives, and they take us for granted. They don't really take us for granted in the truest sense of the word, but they just assume when they have an activity going on at school, we're going to be there. And we are. Why? Not because we have to or should be because we're grandparents. We love our family members. And we invest our lives in them, and we're teaching them, along with their moms and dads, how to invest their lives in other family members. There is nothing better than investing in family members and creating a neutral environment in the family where everything is okay to at least consider and talk about. That's the way you find the truth. Objectivity. Our kids say things all the time, and uh, my youngest kid's 42 years old, so they're not babies. From 47 at the top, our oldest daughter, 45, middle daughter, and then our son Caleb, 47 to 42. Three people, three kids of the Dan and Marianne family, all three are totally different, have a totally different makeup other than that structure, that backbone that is there just because they were born to Dan and Marianne Newman and grew up in that home. Now, why am I talking about this? I'm trying to tell you everybody is different. And even more important than that, many of you will say, well, you know, heck, why are you saying that, Dan? We know that. That's right. We know that, but we don't act like that. We expect everybody to be exactly like us, think exactly like us, and therefore we begin acting and making decisions based upon not the facts, but our expectations. And often, I'm sure you probably know this, especially if you're a mom and a dad and you got teenagers or older, they're going to do things different from the way you do things. They're going to think things that are different from the way you think things are. Hmm. But our obligation is to give them a good start, a good way to wade, wade their way through all of the weeds to find facts that are applicable to them in their lives when they grow up and also as they're growing up. And you got to trust them, folks. You got to trust them. I know there is all kinds of danger around. Let me tell you this. Our youngest four grandchildren range in age from being a junior in high school down to eighth grade. And you know what those kids are facing now in the environment. I mean, somebody's giving a fellow friend, quote unquote, friend in parentheses, is giving a kid a piece of candy. The kid eats a piece of candy, starts seizing and dies. Because in that candy, it was full of fentanyl. Now, pretty much neither kid knew there was fentanyl in it, but that's what's happening in the nation, 
in our world, in our government, because we don't have a southern border now, and immigrants are flooding across, many of them drug traffickers, and they're bringing these very innocent-looking pills that are finding their ways across the nation into the lives of young Americans who are innocent, but they trust somebody, and they get a pill and they die. That's happening every day, every single day. That's the number one killer in the nation today. Have you talked to your junior high students, your eighth graders? Have you talked to them about that? Have you explained how it is so easy to look and listen and believe and trust those that may be around you? You may see them at school all the time, and they could be next-door neighbors to you. Be careful, be cautious. Moms and dads, teach your kids how to do that. The Newman family has been pretty successful at that. We haven't had a single kid have drug problems. Haven't had a single kid that has alcohol problems. Now, mom and dad, (laughs) I'm joking, I'm joking. We have a great family, but we've been through many, many trials. I won't waste your time telling you what they comprise because you've got an equally Um, difficult set of circumstances to talk about in your family. We're Americans. We at least, at least in our lives, we've always had the right to develop our lives and those that are part of our circle, develop that the way we want to do it. If you look at the other side of the globe, it's never been that way. The government tells citizens everything they can do and everything they cannot do. And don't you dare go up against that government if you live there because the consequences often are death. Americans can't even fathom that. But that's the facts. That's the way it is. Over here, we're blessed, folks. We are blessed beyond understanding. If you want to get an example of what it's like to not have the freedoms and liberties that we have now, Take a trip over to Haiti or go to Cambodia. Um, Go to Northern Africa. The leading sex trafficking and human trafficking points of debarkation on the globe. And look at those people that are coming in on those ships, flying in on those planes, private planes, and being distributed like goods around the world from some of those cities in Northern Africa. I didn't know they did that, Dan. That's where slavery began. The slavery that ended up happening here in the United States, Muslim traffickers in Northern Africa were and are the biggest slave traders on the earth in world history. Did you know that? Wow, you learned something if you didn't know it. So we told you if you just joined us, today at uh, top of the hour, 10 o'clock Central Time, our buddy, investigative journalist Steve Baker, will check in with us from the federal courthouse in Washington, D.C., where he is sitting in on and involved in the trial of five oath keepers, five men who were at the January 6th quote-unquote insurrection And they were there to protect people. They were not there to begin any kind of battle or war. They were unarmed. 
And of course, the FBI, the Department of Justice, Washington, D.C. Mayor's Office, and the White House have continued to portray these men as insurrectionists. You know what? As all of this continues to go and we watch our Department of Justice just devolve into a totalitarian arm of the Biden administration, they're attacking conservatives, literally attacking conservatives. We told you yesterday the story about an ABC news person that was doing stories that ran anti what the Biden administration, the Department of Justice, the narrative that they're portraying out there. The FBI stormed this guy's house six months ago, and nobody's seen him since. Can you believe that's happening in the United States of America? And every time the DOJ, they do one of these raids, you know the ones where the SWAT teams come in and the, the, the black vehicles, they're all dressed in black, armed with fully automatic rifles, and they storm into somebody's house, helicopters flying overhead, news media filming it all because they got the heads up by the FBI. Here's what we're going to do if you want to be there. And it's all shown to the American people. And every time that's happened, every single time that's happened, guess who wasn't having their houses stormed? Drug traffickers. Drug lords. Insurrectionists. People that put on and sponsor riots. You don't see any of those people even being targeted. The only ones being targeted are those that are exercising today, exercising their First Amendment rights. They believe in life from inception. And they will go to a abortion clinic. There's been no stories about any of them perpetrating any violence while they're there. But a report goes to the FBI, and the FBI, they do a quote-unquote faux investigation and they arrest these people in the most egregious way, again, storming their homes, taking mom and dad in front of their kids, throwing them in the back of one of these black vehicles and hauling them away to be prosecuted. There's a law that was made, and I forget the name of it. We talked about it yesterday. But if you in any way interfere with the entry access to any abortion clinic to keep anybody that wants to go in there and have an abortion, you're breaking a federal law. The first case that I saw was this man a few weeks ago. I think it was from Missouri. He was doing what he does. He was out on the streets in front of an abortion clinic with his son. And one of the other side protesters came after him, shouting at him, both of them, the little boy and the dad, shouting at them, And one of those protesters reached over and grabbed the arm of that little boy. And the daddy jumped in and slapped the guy, slapped his hand away from that um, pro-abortion person. This man, because of what he did, and the facts are out there, evidence is out there. There's video out there that backs up that he didn't break the law when he just protected his son. This man's thrown into jail. He bailed out. He's facing federal charges and prosecution for that one thing. That's who this administration is. It's not what they want 
people that work for them to do. They are this. Attack anybody and everyone that disagrees with us politically. Why? Because you don't deserve to have that opinion. Screw the Constitution. Forget about the rule of law. We're going to do everything by political narrative, political perspective, and if your political perspective and narrative is different from ours, you're evil and it doesn't matter, we're going to destroy you because of your political perspective. I thought we had a U.S. Constitution that guaranteed equality, equality, equal justice under the law. Well, we do have that if you happen to be hmm, a Democrat. Now, before we get to Steve Baker this morning, we have several things that I want to bring to you that are very important. You know, in this political season, as we are two weeks today away from the midterm elections, very little is being uh, talked about about what's going on out in Arizona. Carrie Lake is running for governor there. And uh, she's a Republican, so that means Democrats hate her. She is an Arizonan. That makes a big difference on running for governor and you start talking to people in Arizona about Arizonan-specific issues. And one of the big ones, one of the big ones is illegal immigration. Now, I found this, and I couldn't believe it. I did not know this, but the NFL has come out and they are pro-illegal immigration. And they are, they won't admit it, but they're for open borders. Now, guess where the Super Bowl is being played in February? In Arizona, in Phoenix. And so we saw what Major League Baseball did with their all-star game when activist, Democrat, hardcore leftist activist Stacey Abrams came out and blasted Major League Baseball. uh, Blasted further the city of Atlanta. And it was so egregious and Major League Baseball got scared to death that they were going to do a boycott or something and it would be really bad news for Major League Baseball. So they just picked up and left, took the all-star game to Colorado. You think the NFL might do that in this case because of the pending governor's election and it looks like she's going to win? And she makes it very clear, if she does, she's going to come down on the side of Arizonans. Let's jump then to the fallout. We know that there's been a history in Arizona with SB 1070, with boycotts in Arizona. We know the Super Bowl at one time was pulled over the Martin Luther King law. You're going to, you would be inaugurated, you would be sworn in a month from the Super Bowl being here. If the NFL were to threaten, they're going to pull the Super Bowl if you do that. Would it make you waver in your decision? You want to tell me that a bunch of football teams owned by billionaires are okay with fentanyl pouring across our border at a record level, killing our young people. Number one killer right now is fentanyl, 18 to 45. It's killing a generation of people. If the NFL is okay with that, then they got to do some soul searching. I don't think the NFL is that stupid. I really don't. So you're, you we wouldn't be concerned about it. We want to make sure that. that we're stopping the cartels. Okay. No, I'm not concerned. Okay. The people of Arizona is who I work for. And that's why I'm here with you today, Mike. This is a job interview. This should have been a debate, and we are doing a job interview. And you, the people of Arizona, are the hiring agent. I will be working for you. 
And unfortunately, my opponent doesn't have the courage and doesn't have the respect for the people of Arizona to show up here, sit on this stage, and take these same questions. But I'm not going to be taking marching orders from the NFL. I'm taking marching orders from the people of Arizona who are tired of their children getting their hands on the most deadly drug this country's ever seen. Mike, I, I talk to parents all the time. The hardest thing in the world is having a mother come up to you and tell you that she lost her 19-year-old because he took a pill. He took one pill. He didn't know it was a fentanyl pill. He didn't know it came from Mexico, from the cartels. He's gone. Think about what we, and think about out there what you have accomplished since you were 19. There's no amount of money that can ever bring a child back who's lost his life to fentanyl. And the thing is, we don't have to have these senseless deaths. We're being poisoned by the cartels and the CCP. The communist regime out of China is behind this. And if you don't think that they can take down a civilization and a country over drugs, with drugs, then you need to do a history lesson. And you've got to look at the opium wars. They brought down dynasties with drugs, and they're trying to bring this country down. I am a mama bear at heart, and I will fight tooth and nail to protect our children. I don't want to have to face another parent who's lost a 17-year-old son, a 19-year-old daughter, a 20-year-old daughter. We're losing our future, Mike. And so if the NFL has a problem with that, they're going to have to uh, lick their wounds because we are going to secure our border in Arizona. It's um, very refreshing for me as a father to hear a pending governor. It looks like Kerry Lake is going to win coming up in two weeks from now when the governorship in Arizona. It's really positive to me to hear a leader at that level just make one thing clear. If she's elected, which it looks like she will be, it's not that she doesn't care about the NFL coming to Phoenix with the Super Bowl. That's a huge thing, probably the biggest single economic issue for the whole city of Phoenix and the state of Arizona. But this governor-to-be is telling us she's not going to she's not going to bend and take actions that will definitely be negative to the citizens of Arizona who she's the governor over just to please the NFL and be scared that the NFL would pull the Super Bowl out of Phoenix. They've done it before. Arizonans are afraid they're going to do it because, like I said, it is an economic windfall. When I owned the arena football team, the New Orleans Voodoo, um, our offices were directly across the street from the Superdome. Our staff, I came very familiar, got to be very familiar with the people that run both the Superdome, and the New Orleans Arena where we played our football games. And talking to those people, the SMG people, the ones that manage both of those properties, talking to them about the Super Bowl. As a matter of fact, we were there the last Super Bowl that was played in the Superdome. And I got to be honest with you, the impact on us, our game wasn't being played at the time. Our games were in the spring, late spring and summer. It was incredible the impact that having a Super Bowl made on that city. And New Orleans is the site of more Super Bowls than any other city. Why is that, you ask? Well, it's in the South for one thing. The other thing is, if you know anything about New Orleans, there's always good food and there's always good entertainment. It's exciting to go there. 
But I can't imagine the governor of Louisiana, John Bell Edwards, having a showdown with the NFL and telling the NFL, we're not going to compromise for you. For a political purpose, a position that you, your owners have taken, we're going to do what's best for the people of Louisiana, not for the NFL. That's what Carrie Lake did. I got to be honest with you. I kind of wish she was running for another office, like, you know, maybe the U.S. Senate or running for the House of Representatives, the U.S. House of Representatives. I think she is going to be somebody we are going to hear a lot about. Well, we've got two or three stories that I want to bring to you before Steve Baker comes along at the top of the hour to talk to us and get us up to date on the Oath Keepers trial in D.C., There's a couple of things I want to do right after our first break. Glenn Beck, of all people, and we haven't heard a lot about Glenn Beck lately, but Glenn Beck yesterday was asked about his consensus thoughts about the upcoming election. Now, you remember Glenn Beck. He's always has a perspective, and he doesn't always have the mainstream perspective. He is a very conservative American, but he's going to come aboard here and you're going to hear something that uh, it didn't shock me, but it gave me pause to think about it. And I like things like that. Glenn Beck is up next at TNN Live. What up, y'all? It's DJ Envy and I'm teaming up with Turtle Wax this summer to make sure your rides are clean, shiny, protected and even disinfected. Because whether you're hitting the streets or heading out on the highway to the beach, Turtle Wax will make sure your vehicle is looking, smelling, and feeling amazing. Turtle Wax is the only brand that I trust with my fleet of supercars. And y'all know how many cars I keep in my garage, right? Check out TurtleWax.com to learn more and be sure to buy now at TurtleWax.com or anywhere you shop for car care. Few things bring as much joy as the delicious taste of Coca-Cola. Like your first time camping or falling in love on a blind date. And now, our new Coke bottles are sip-sized and made from 100% recycled materials. So every bottle can live on to create more memories. That's endlessly refreshing. Coca-Cola. Bottles are made from 100% recycled materials excluding cap and label. Enjoy the great taste of Coca-Cola in a new sip-sized bottle that's made of 100% recycled materials. Genuine Ford Parts and Service presents a word from your wallet. Are we at the gas station? Yeah, I know. I'm feeling these gas prices, too. I'm the wallet down here. Head to a Ford dealership. Why? Proper vehicle maintenance. A new air filter can save 19 cents a gallon. Correct tire inflation up to 6 cents a gallon. Wow, that sure adds up. (laughs) Fat wallets are very in right now. Right now, Motorcraft air filter replacement is just $19.95 or less. Replacing a dirty air filter can increase fuel economy by as much as 10%. Well, done. That was easy. Maybe you should listen to your wallet more often. Well, you're typically pretty quiet. Well, I didn't want to be a pain in the... Uh, 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 uh. Hurry in for the best deals we've had in years. Money-saving rebates on brakes, batteries, tires, and more. See your participating Ford dealer today. Hey, welcome to the subway ad for the $3.99 6-inch sub of the day. How do you want it? Secret DJ set. At a retirement home? Weird. I like it. DJ sandwich in the house. What did he say? Italian BMT $3.99. I called the EMT? Turkey breast $3.99. How much? $3.99. Limited time at participating shops. Prices and subs included may vary. Additional charge for extras plus tax. No additional discounts or coupons applied. 
Married to the truth, divorced from the lies, fighting for the future. TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. And again, Dan Newman. As I was listening to that break, the last commercial subway, let me ask you, do you ever go to Subway? I got to be honest with you. I really like Subway. And I'm one of those people, when I find something, anything, when I go eat at a restaurant and I like it, I really like it. When I go back, I do it again and again and again. So do you have anything like that? Do you have Subway like that? I can tell you this. When I go to Subway, I eat one sandwich, just one, excuse me, one sandwich. And it's not a full size. It's a six inch turkey on wheat. Wheat with pepper jack cheese, and that is toasted. And then they add lettuce, no tomatoes. I love tomatoes, but I don't like them on a sandwich because they always end up sliding off of my shirt. So I save the tomato thing when I'm at the house. So it's pepper jack cheese, lettuce, pickles, hmm, onions, and hot mustard. That's it. It's just 9.30 in the morning in Shreveport, Louisiana. I could eat one right now. Now, what does that have to do with Glenn Beck? I told you he was going to be up next. It was more important for me to tell you about my subway desires than it is for you to hear Glenn Beck right now. But he is here with his analysis of what is probably going to happen two weeks from now. How are you feeling about this election? So can I talk broadly first? Yeah, please. Because there's two things. If this were even 2010, Mm -hmm. I would have said right now, even no matter what the polls say, they have no idea what's coming. Mm. They have no idea what's coming. Okay, Because I don't think people are answering polls. I don't think people trust pollsters. I don't think people want to tell who they're going to vote for. None of it. However... In 2010, I thought I had a handle on the American people. I don't know who they are. I don't know what they, I don't know what they really are thinking. These races are so close that there's no reason for them to be this close. There's no reason. These are radicals who are destroying your children in many cases. And it's five point difference. How Stacey Abrams so five I'll give you two answers mm-hmm. on how am I feeling. One of them is my real gut if, you know, if things were normal. Mm-hmm. And then my answer of today. Yeah. Um, so let's start with Mike Lee. Uh, Mike Lee, obviously a senator we both really like. He's been really good on the Constitution. He's facing an independent cha- uh, challenger by the name of Egg McMuffin. Egg McMuffin. <laughs> what uh, do you think this is real? I mean, I think I do. You I'm think going a real out challenge. To, I'm, I'm actually going out to help him this weekend. Hmm. Um, he said to me, Glenn, a long time ago, and he was, you know, 10 points ahead or whatever. He's like, you don't understand what the Democrats are doing here. And once I started watching and then I started seeing the polls and I, I saw what the press is doing to him in his own state, making him look like an absolute radical um, Can you explain this a little bit? Because I think, uh, you know, I'm, I, you know Utah a lot better than I do yeah. and the culture there. Yeah. What, what is happening with the media? Why are they doing this to Mike Lee? Because so it's not all um, just liberal media there, supposedly. Well, 
it, it all has become. It's like BYU. I, I don't know if I would send my kids to BYU today because you can't get the professors. You're, where are you going to get the professors? You know, I've talked to the people that run BYU and they've been like, you have no idea what it's like just to have somebody believe in God that can teach. Mm. Okay. So the same thing with, it's a real problem. Same thing with the press. You can't find them anymore. Um, And that's a, that's a, it's a real problem because people in some ways, um, I mean, this, this state that if Mike Lee loses or wins by two, I don't know who Utah is. This is a state that grew up. Most people don't know about the, the, you know, Latter-day Saint, you know, culture. They were driven out of America. Utah was not America, okay? They were driven out over the mountains. Many of them didn't even have shoes. They left in the middle of the night because they were burning their, their families out and killing their families. So they come and they cross the mountain, they get there. The first thing they do is Brigham Young has a parade. There's no street. There's nothing, okay? There's just this group of people, and he's like, you know, we should have a parade. I would have said, really? But what what they did is the women, and I can't remember which was which, but the women carried the Declaration of Independence, and the men carried the Constitution. And then the point was, these documents are true. People will falter. But these documents are true and God-inspired. So even though we were chased out by Americans, we weren't. We were chased out by people that had a misunderstanding of what these documents mean. We support these, okay? What people have ever done that that Mm -hmm. have been chased out, okay? So they have been raised on this. Mike Lee's grandfather was the president of the church. You can't get any more exalted in in that religious community than that, okay? His grandfather, and his grandfather was a stickler on the Constitution. Mike grew up with his dad arguing constitutional uh, arguments in front of the Supreme Court. Hmm. And they're going to go for the CIA spy? So is this is interesting because I you know I, I don't you know this history a heck of a lot better than I do but it's like is this why McMullen Mc, uh, McMuffin yeah. is bringing up is is targeting the January sixth thing yes. as like as a, cha- a target yes. towards the Constitution towards democracy yes. trying to make this that's why BS he said, argument about that's that. why he said you betrayed the Constitution mm. okay because he's betting that the Constitution still means something and nobody knows who Mike Lee really is. Okay, mm-hmm. which is to me impossible, 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 impossible. If you've impossible. Watched him act. But uh, you know, everything is changing. Mm. Everything is changing. Uh, give, give me a couple minutes before we wrap up on yeah. uh, her, the Herschel Walker uh, race. You, Herschel Walker is kind of a friend of yours. Uh, yeah, you've known him neighbor. for a while. Yeah, um, and uh, he's had a. It's been a, a bit of a roller coaster ride. I mean, he's had some scandal allegations against him. He seems to have weathered them now. You watched his performance the other night in the debate. What did you think? I thought he was great. Mm. I mean, you know, it's, it's it, there's no uh, constitutional argument happening with Warnock. Yeah, no. You know, so, <laughs> no. Um, but I thought for a guy who's never done that mm. and is a football player, you know, just a guy who just doesn't think that way. 
I thought he was awesome. I really did. I thought he had a couple of things that he said. It was like, boom, he knew how to turn it around. One time, I think maybe kind of awkwardly, but generally turns it right back around, does things that, you know, politicians who have been politicians their whole life don't do. And he didn't seem like a politician. Yeah. I, I, it, the old me would say he wins by five points at least. The new me, no idea. No idea. That's kind of a scary place to be considering yeah. the, the consequences. The there. old me on, um, on uh, uh, Mike Lee, 10 points, easy. Now, you don't, know. don't have any idea. Carrie Lake? Carrie Lake, um, yeah, the old me would say five to eight points for Carrie Lake. Today, two, three. Now, see, but all of this can change mm-hmm. if people are lying to the pollsters and they're just quiet. This doesn't feel like the 2010 Tea Party because people aren't out in the streets. They aren't showing it mm-hmm. because they're being arrested for stuff. Right. You know what I mean? So they're not out doing it. If people are as dedicated I will walk through broken glass that is on fire in a sea of cats who, who haven't eaten in a month. And I mean big cats to vote. Cats? <laughs> I, I take it that Glenn Beck is not only he doesn't like cats, he's afraid of cats. All that being said, the last piece of what he said there is I think the most salient one, and it's a message that every American needs to see and understand. The political environment, the election system, even though Democrats tried to take over and bring all of the election processes in the nation to Washington, D.C. to manage and run, despite losing that battle, they have weaponized the Department of Justice and the FBI. They, along with their leader, uh, you know, Adolf Hitler of Washington, D.C., President Joe Biden, they have found a way to silence dissidents. And that's by scaring dissidents in the United States to death. So much so that fewer and fewer people are exercising their First Amendment rights. And those people that are afraid of that are not Democrats. They're not hardcore leftists. They're out there spewing their venom on the streets and screaming and hollering in their demonstrations. There's no retribution for that. But if you're a conservative, especially if you're two things, one of those evil people that want to take over total control of women's bodies and you are going to stop abortions, you're supporting the U.S. Supreme Court and their overturn of Roe v. Wade, you're not worthy of even being above the dirt. If you're one of those people, that's number one. Number two, ultra MAGA sycophant if you're one of those if you say anything if you do anything even if you think about that and we find out about it oh my gosh Christopher Ray's FBI is coming to your address and it's not because you've done anything wrong it's because they say what you have done is a violation of this or that and it's all built around the, the first amendment they have taken the first amendment and turned it around. And what the narrative is that's justifying some of these raids by the FBI is if you use the First Amendment in a way that they think 
is counter to free speech. They're okay to come get you. Not trying to scare you. That's happening. That very thing is happening, and it is purposeful to stifle the voice of people who dissent with this government. I can't believe I'm even talking about this. I mean, it's almost like this is Venezuela, of all places, where you don't dare speak out in contravention of what the existing current government is doing. If so, they're going to take you down just because you're attacking that free speech thing. When you and I know both, both of us know, it's exactly the opposite of that. Now, the other things I wanted to mention to you before we get together with Steve, I'm looking forward. Steve's, he's, he's a great guy besides being a great investigative reporter and photojournalist. I like to have conversations because he gives us a little bit of a different perspective. I know this will surprise you, but my perspective on things isn't always right. (laughs) I think it's absolute. My wife does it, but nevertheless, Steve has one of those guys. He thinks a little bit differently on some things, and I like to hear his perspective. Before we get to that, I wanted to talk a little bit about our economy, what's going on, and what the experts in the Biden administration are doing. What does that mean, Dan? Well, yesterday in the NBC News interview, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen argued that many companies are struggling because, and listen to this, there has been a shift in the global economy, she said, and many companies sell their products globally, and that while the U.S. is doing well, but many parts of the world are not. So she opened up that can of corn. MSNB host and NBC News senior business analyst Stephanie Rule asked her, when I think about 2021, so many companies were doing so well. And all of a sudden this year, just six months later, so many of those companies are struggling. What happened so dramatically? Treasury Secretary Yellen responded, of course, she's got an answer for everything. Well, there's been a shift in the global economy. Many of these companies are selling their products not only in the United States, but globally. And the U.S. is probably the strongest part of the global economy. We've slowed down, but we're doing well. But many parts of the world are not. She wasn't through. Yellen argued that when you have a 3.5% unemployment rate and have had over 300,000 jobs a month for the last three or four months or longer, that is not what most people think of as a recession. She had to drop that little bomb in in one paragraph at the end of the interview. Why? It's the political narrative that is accepted from the Biden administration. Deflect all of the responsibility away from our Treasury Department, her watch, our White House and their economic policies, and blame it on people overseas. I wondered what they would come up with next. <laughs> it's Bidenflation, Ms. Yellen. It's Bidenflation. You know Joe Biden, that economic expert. He gets it all right. I mean, now he's out there screaming and hollering 
talking to the Democrat National Committee at headquarters on Monday, stoking claims that the GOP would crash the economy in an attempt to force him to gut Medicare. Now, where in the heck did this come from? He actually said that. He also used this opportunity to coin the term mega MAGA trickle down. That's the new one. Mega MAGA trickle down. Now, you need to write that down before you forget it because if you say it wrong, you may be hauled off to prison. Now, he's using that term. He's chosen to refer to Republican economic policies. Mega MAGA trickle down. He went on to name House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, arguing that he and his fellow Republicans would grow the deficit by $3 trillion if their priorities were to pass. Now, let me stop right there and say this. You, if you were here yesterday, you heard me question Congressman Mike Johnson, Congressman from the 4th Congressional District here in Louisiana. You heard me question him pretty uh, deeply about Kevin McCarthy and Republican leadership, revealing that if they're elected, they've got a plethora of elements of a plan that they're calling commitment to Americans. Commitment. And I drilled Congressman Johnson, and I asked him twice, I think, two different ways, can you tell us any of the details we got the bullet points, and I gave them to you yesterday if you were on the show when he was here. Um, the bullet points are there. But in politics, you and I both know, that top line that describes what's in that bullet point, that's not the best way to get a handle on the details. You need the details. Truth is in the details. And he explained to me, and it was, I understand, He said if they put all of that out now before the election, Democrats would take it and they would turn everything in their plans around and weaponize it against them for votes in two weeks. You know, that's exactly what they would do. And if I was a Democrat, leader in the Democrat Party, that's exactly what I would do. The truth doesn't matter to that side of the aisle. you got to understand that. It doesn't, unless it lines up with one of their Uh, political perspectives, which is rare, but every once in a while they get it right. Just being honest. I'm not saying they're wrong all the time. It's not about being right or wrong on every issue. It's about making every issue be real, be purposeful, be honest in its presentation, and show us how it's best for the American people. All that being said, where in the heck did Joe Biden get any inkling of the possibility of GOP policies, legislation, whatever it takes to turn into a $3 trillion deficit. Where did Biden get that? You and I both know the answer. He pulled it out of somewhere other than his brain. None of the legislation that is going to be put in place by the Democrats, should they take the House, none of it's been pinned exactly. The substance is there, and the reason it hasn't been is because of what I just said. And, of course, Biden doesn't have to have that. He just throws out a $3 trillion allegation 
that if you elect those evil Republicans, that's what they're going to do. Here's a quote from Mr. Biden. Republicans have made it clear that if they win control of the Congress, they will shut down the government, refuse to pay our bills, and it'll be the first time in the history of America that we will default unless I yield and cut Social Security and Medicare. Now, first of all, let me just say this. Republicans don't want to cut Medicare. They don't want to do that. Joe Biden's lying about that. He's talking to Democrats, and he is losing Democrats at the poll. I'm talking about the election site. He's losing them, and he, in desperation, is throwing all kinds of things out there, denigrating Republicans, denigrating policies that don't even exist to try to scare more Democrats to get to the polls and vote and to vote for Democrats. All of that in the wake of the worst inflation in 40 years. We got a story in just a little bit to tell you up north where heating oil is the big deal. In many cases, it's bigger than the price of gasoline because that's how most people in the northern part of the United States heat their homes in the winter. They're fixing to begin rationing because supply is in oblivion. Now, that's a Joe Biden occurrence. He takes credit for everything good that happens while he's president. While he was vice president, he and Barack did the same thing. Anything good that happened, it didn't have anything to do with the previous administration. Everything that bad happened was the responsibility of the previous administration. Joe's doing that again. Biden continued, they're threatening to default on the federal debt. There's nothing that would create more chaos, more inflation, more damage to the American economy than this. Let me be clear, he said, I will not cut Social Security. I will not cut Medicare, he said. The Republican National Committee lashed out with a response to him later yesterday. The only Democrats willing to welcome Joe Biden at this point are paid Democrat National Committee employees who work in Washington. Now, that comes from the RNC spokeswoman, Emma Vaughn. Meanwhile, down-ballot Democrats, she said, across the country are desperate to hide their Biden voting records. Voters know Democrat control of Washington delivered higher prices, more crime, and a nation headed in the wrong direction. Now, here's what's going on. The GOP, I'm not in the GOP. I'm a conservative, but I, too, have joined them in blasting Biden's spending agenda throughout his presidency, taking hold of his funding boost and taking it to the IRS in particular. Biden and Democrats granted $80 billion a boost to the agency that will allow for 87,000 brand new IRS agents. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, by the way, nobody mentions this, but every one of them are going to be armed. Every one of the IRS agents, the auditing department, the auditing division, will carry a gun. That's a story for another day. Polls are showing a really grim picture for Democrats in the final two weeks before the midterm elections. It's a bad thing, and it looks every day like it's getting worse and worse for Democrats. But 
let me say this. Do you remember what the landscape of America was at the end of the Trump administration and the election season against Joe Biden? Do you remember how positive things were at your house, at your business, in your town, in your city? How crime except for the stuff that was just put on us by hardcore leftist groups like Antifa and Black Lives Matter. Besides that, which we didn't have any control over, that was some group funded by George Soros, of course. And he did fund both of those, by the way. That's been proven to be true. But besides that, throw that to the side. Weren't you doing a whole lot better? Weren't your fellow Americans doing a whole lot better? Weren't you surprised that all of a sudden, on election night, in five swing states across the nation, all of a sudden at 10 o'clock, same time, they all announced they were shutting down their vote counting process and would come back tomorrow morning. When that happened, President Trump was leading by millions of votes. The next morning, lo and behold, the lights come on, the computers come on, and bam, Joe Biden is going to be the president. And it began going downhill from there. They don't think the American people catch that. They don't think that Americans understand. But let me get back to the perspective of what I'm saying this particular thing for. Do you remember back then in the run-up to that when Joe Biden wouldn't appear in public and he made all of his statements, speeches, and stuff in the basement of his house in Delaware? You remember that? It was a horrible campaign. It was very obvious he didn't have his stuff together. He certainly wasn't going to be mentally cognitive enough to spend four years in the White House and be an effective president. And so a lot of people, even some people from the left, they begin to say, you know what? This looks like it's a Trump deal. Looks like he's going to be reelected. In the middle of all of that in one conversation, Nancy Pelosi, put her famous hand up and said, make no mistake about it. On January 20th, 2021, we will inaugurate a President Joe Biden. She said it very demonstratively. And it shocked me when she did. And the reason it shocked me was because it didn't look like, the polls didn't look like, watching the two potential candidates, watching them do their thing. It did not look at all like Biden would win. And what concerns me is Nancy Pelosi yesterday said the exact same thing about this election coming up. That's troubling to me. And it should be troubling to you. I'm not predicting there's going to be something sinister that happens. I'm not saying that at all, but what I am saying is it sounds to me like, and remember, told you before, I'm from South Louisiana. When it quacks and it waddles, it's always a duck. And in this case, the duck, (laughs) somebody's going to call her and tell her that stupid podcast guy down in Louisiana He called you a duck. (laughs) I'm not saying Nancy Pelosi is a duck. What I'm saying is what she is saying, we've heard it before, 
And when we heard it before, it happened. So we are on the phone now calling Steve Baker. See if he answers. Hello. You're live on, you're live right here, buddy. Right here, right now. <laughs> I, I, adi- I dialed your number live on the air. So say hello to your fans around the nation and the world, <laughs> your fans on TNN Live. Say hi. Well, hello, everyone. It's good to be here with you today again. Well, I know things have changed, and we talked a little about, about it here yesterday on the show. Um, yes. COVID has changed the trial a little bit on these five Oath Keepers. Give us a quick synopsis, and then we want to get into the details of what you've watched happen over the last week. Yeah, uh, the situation that was presented to us first thing tomorrow morning, and of course we heard about it from the attorneys uh, before the trial started, was that Oath Keeper leader Stuart Rhodes had been sick all weekend, and was tested yesterday morning for COVID and tested positive. Well, of course, that threw the the day in disarray completely at that moment. And what ended up happening was after a short uh, discussion by Judge Maida with the court, it was decided that there would be no uh, trial yesterday whatsoever. No witnesses presented, no questioning. The jury was sent home. And then... uh, it was just a matter of figuring out what was going to happen because the jail where Mr. Rhodes is being held, he's not being held in the DC detention center with the other oath keepers. He's being held at the Arlington jail over in Virginia. And they have a very strict 10 day quarantine policy. And that's even though the CDC is only recommending five days. (laughs) So as you can imagine with Mr. Rhodes, right to be in the, the trial actually be in the courtroom as witnesses are presented against him and against the other oath keepers. The possibility existed that he would that this trial could be suspended until Thursday of next week at the earliest. Whereas you can imagine the domino effect of that on everyone's schedules. Uh, it, it it would push this trial you know into another at least another week and a half. All of the defense attorneys, the prosecution, the court itself has other trials scheduled. So everything starts getting rearranged. Then you have the problem with juror schedules as well. And and some of them have uh, actual stated disruptions to their own personal life that will prevent them from continuing as jurors if this trial goes too long. So as you can imagine, imagine Judge Maida was facing a nightmare situation. Very potentially being put into a position of having to call a mistrial, which would be just a nightmare for the government. So when will we find out what's going to happen? Well, there was a series of meetings yesterday. The uh, courtroom, I mean, I'm sorry, the, the, uh, jo- uh, the jail did not even allow Mr. Rhodes to get on the phone with his own attorneys until 6 p.m. last night so that they could discuss what their options were. The, the primary option was, was that was going to be presented to Mr. Rhodes was that there were some quote-unquote inconsequential witnesses, and by that they mean inconsequential to his particular case. Now, as Judge Maida explained this morning to the court, that these alleged inconsequential 
witnesses still have a part in presenting the overall conspiracy of the case itself. Because remember, they're being charged with conditious or seditious conspiracy. And what ended up happening at five o'clock yesterday, there was a hearing. Uh, basically, it was a status hearing between the judge and all of the attorneys, uh, the defense attorneys, the prosecution attorneys. And I actually, because it was a public hearing, I sat in on that hearing. And what ended up being presented to the judge was that there was going to be as many as six or seven of these, quote unquote, inconsequential uh, witnesses presented by the government. And that if the defense agreed and if Mr. Rhodes agreed to waive his right to be in court, he will also have to waive his right to even sit in on like a video uh, hearing because Maida will not allow him to be transferred to the courthouse and therefore potentially infect the U.S. Marshals who are charged with, you know, taking the, the prisoners from one location to the other. So he disallowed that option. The jail itself will not provide inside the jail for Rhodes to be moved around to a video room there in the jail himself because of the COVID situation and there are very strict rules there. And unfortunately, the jail is its own regime. It makes its own rules. And they are not subject to the wishes of Judge Maida or the Department of Justice or all the way up to Attorney General Merrick Garland. They do what they want. And they are holding fast to their 10-day rule. So, so what, do, what do we do? We wait? Well, no, this morning, the, there, there was a waiver hearing at 9 o'clock. They put Mr. Rhodes on the phone live in the courthouse with the attorneys and with the judge. This was a public hearing as well. And Mr. Rhodes surprisingly waived his rights to appear or to even hear of these, any of these witnesses' testimonies, to hear their cross-examinations, to be a part in any way, shape, or form, and that he will trust his attorneys to handle the proceedings correctly on his behalf. And the government is going to present these six to seven, uh, quote unquote, inconsequential witnesses uh, without his presence. He waived his rights and we are in court today. Well, it's interesting to me. Now, let me just say this. I don't know very much about federal court. Um, I've spent a little time there for clients around the nation. But uh, I, I think, and tell me if I'm wrong, obviously, the testimony, all of it, the court hearing is being recorded. And Correct. if that is made available by uh, his his attorneys to him after the fact, and there is any kind of stuff that is presented by any of these witnesses that he has firsthand knowledge of it not being wrong or details given differently, the defense would have at a later date the right to recall any of those witnesses when he gets back healthy and is going to be back in the courtroom, uh, I think they could do that if there's any kind of conflict. Yes. Yes, that is correct. And certainly he will be advised at the end of every day when they are allowed a phone call with him, uh, what transpired. And he'll be able to comment on that at that point. But unfortunately, without him being in the courtroom, he can't lean over and whisper in his attorney's ears and say, Hey, you know, deal with this. Yeah. Oh, well, 
Well, why would anybody expect anything coming out of that January 6th insurrection trials to be uh, just straightforward and not have any glitches? Everything. Well, it's amazing. It's amazing. There's a, a, a confluence of situations and glitches happening at the same time as COVID uh, problem has happened. Yesterday morning, as well, the attorney for Kelly Meggs, one of the defendants, his name is uh, his last name is Wood Woodward. He had a scooter accident here in D.C. and severely broke his arm. And at the same time, his wife is about to any moment deliver a baby. Now, I read that in your story last night, and I kind of chuckled. <laughs> what, what, what is this guy? How old is this guy that had the wreck? Oh, oh he's, he's in his 40s, I would imagine. So somebody needs to tell him when you hit the 40 age mark, you're supposed to get off scooters, and if you're going to ride, get on a Harley. <laughs> Actually, in the status hearing last night, Judge made it made a similar joke and said, "You know, you're getting a little too old for this," because Woodward wasn't on that status uh, Zoom call. Yeah. And then, to add insult to injury, yet again, a juror, juror number twelve, is now having severe problems with sciatica, and is finding difficulty to sit for eight hours in the courtroom every day. So Judge Maida brought him and actually put him on the witness stand, the juror, I've never seen that before, and asked him about his ability, to, whether he could continue or not. The juror agreed that he could and would continue to try and, and uh, be as comfortable as he could so that we don't lose yet another juror. Because last week, if you recall, we lost a juror last yeah. week to COVID. Yeah. Well, give us an update. Of course, obviously, yesterday in court, there wasn't any stuff that yeah. really came up. But over the last week, give us the skinny, the bullet point version of the content that was important to this trial. Well, there was a particularly uh, great series of uh, cross-examinations from the defense attorneys with one of the FBI agents on Thursday and Friday last week. And, and they, and quite frankly, the victories that the defense had in getting this agent to admit on the stand that the Oath Keepers were not in the areas of violence, that they were not in the areas of uh, the breaches of the building, of the barricades, as well as getting her to admit, and this was her specialty, she actually was the agent in charge of investigating their activities and their communications. And that includes their, their private chats, their texts, their uh, phone calls, their signal messages, all of that on the day of January 6th. And they were able to get her to admit that Stuart Rhodes never ordered the Oath Keepers into the Capitol. And in fact, they were able to get her to admit because of the congestion, the bandwidth problem with 400,000 or half a million people here in D.C. descending on the Capitol at the time that most of the messages and the attempts at communications between the, um, the various members of the Capitol were never even delivered to as long as five and a half hours later. And you maybe have, have if you've ever been to a, a gigantic rally or even a football game, you know that you, know, you can't even send a text sometimes. So any other big happenings so far? 
No, that that was significant enough that there was even a crack in the mainstream media's reporting on Friday because the the answers by the FBI agent was so much in favor of the defense and of the Oath Keepers that um, even some of the mainstream outlets kind of for the first time had to report it. And that's not something they're inclined to do, as we know. So is the, let me just ask you this. Uh, you know, I know you, I know you well. I know you're, uh, you're all ears. And when you listen to people talking, and especially in courtroom setting, um, you're very cognitive of the details that you hear. Are you getting a sense in your spirit, since you've been in there every day, you've seen and heard every testimony, every witness, you've seen the judge and his actions, nobody has a better picture that I know of, um, than you do, a consensus. What is your sense of where this trial is going? Well, if we get past the confusion of the last few days, there is some evidence from the jury watchers. Now, I can't see the jury from the media room. We do not have a camera angle on the jury. But the sense in the room from the defense team's jury watchers is that they are, in fact, having an effect on the jurors, a positive effect. Now, this is a D.C. jury, and we know that. Sure. We know what yeah. their the government success rate. They win 99% of their jury trials in the District of Columbia. And that just doesn't bode well in just the, you know, the law of averages. So if you ask about my feelings, my spirit, I can guarantee you that the Department of Justice does not want me in that jury room. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the best I can say. I, I have already seen enough by the video evidence alone that this notion of a conspiracy that the oath keepers are somehow or were somehow the tip of the spear that led the insurrection as was actually presented by uh, assistant U S attorney Nessler in his opening argument that was actually presented by uh, Adam Schiff on the J six committee, the house J six committee that that is absolutely a false assertion because the one thing that the government has failed to do is to tie that 15 to 20 Oath Keepers into any connection whatsoever with the provocateurs, with the violent perpetrators against the law enforcement uh, officers. There's been no connection made between the Oath Keepers and anybody that breached the barricade, kicked the door in, busted a window, or attacked a single police officer. You know what surprises me about that? That that definitely had to come up in discovery. and Oh, absolutely. So his attorneys, and then, of course, the prosecutors, which come from the DOJ, they knew this, mm-hmm. yet there's no beat on, meat on the bone so far based upon what you said, and it's falling apart. Don't you think they should know in advance that this was not going to be good for them, and they're just relying on the history thing that you mentioned? They always yes. win. Ninety-nine percent of the time, they win every case. Do you think that that? Unfortunately, yeah. was. Uh, let me ask you. Do you think that yeah. judge is going to see that at at the same time in the same way you do? 
Well, let, let me just comment on the judge for a moment, and then I'll answer that question. And I wrote this in my story last night. Judge Maida is clearly the smartest man in the room. He may be the smartest jurist in D.C. with a real potential of being on the Supreme Court one day. He is has an incredible bedside manner. Uh, he exhibits patience sometimes when you don't think he should, but he also has a temper. And I'm incredibly impressed with the man on a personal level, but I will tell you, that it's very evident that the political pressure on him is so intense by virtue of some of his rulings, because many of these presentations by the prosecution, by the government itself, should never have been allowed then. They continue to prejudice the jury by showing violence, property destruction, barricade breaches, in which the Oath Keepers were not only not participating were in another part of town when it happened. And despite the objections from the defense, Maida continues to allow these videos to be presented. Well, the defense will then have the chance to present evidence that counters that, but hopefully the jurors will remember that, you know, after the fact, it's always first is usually best. And uh, in this case, obviously it's the prosecution. Yes, and that, that is what's happening right now, and the defense is doing their best to point those uh, discrepancies out. And, honestly, the defense has not taken over yet to present their side of the story. When do you think that will happen? Well, <laughs> that was supposed to happen sometime this week, but because of this COVID situation, it's not likely going to happen till late next week. Well, we can almost see the end from here. <laughs> one would hope well listen I I thank you so much Uh, I get comments every day I was just looking at as you know we we have the ability to look at where everybody is listening in from Uh, we have people from all over the US a couple from South America listening in today and uh, one kind of troubles me Langley Virginia (laughs) I'm serious So I guess well, hey, again, that's I, probably that's probably them tapped into my phone. Uh, <laughs> no, no, because it would sh- it would show coming from your coming from you. I just I just want to say this. Say in closing, say hello to the CIA because they're listening. Well, I'd like to say yeah, I'd like to say hello to the CIA, the NSA, uh, Agents Doss and Agent Noyes who've been following me for the last year and a half, and uh, and I always greet them as often as I can. Steve Baker, thank you so much for being a part of this. We really appreciate it. And uh, big audience, our biggest audience is on Tuesday, second hour, when Steve Baker is with us. Be safe, buddy. Thanks, Dan. Hey, thank you much. Back to the courtroom. We'll talk soon. Steve Baker in D.C. What a job. A politician's worst nightmare? The truth. And you're getting it here with Dan Newman on TNN. Few things bring as much joy as the delicious taste of Coca-Cola. Like your first time camping or falling in love on a blind date. And now, our new Coke bottles are sip-sized and made from 100% recycled materials. So every bottle can live on to create more memories. That's endlessly refreshing. Coca-Cola. Bottles are made from 100% recycled materials excluding cap and label.
Enjoy the great taste of Coca-Cola in a new sip-sized bottle that's made of 100% recycled materials. Shop at H&M. Be stylish. Be trendy. With women's clothes and accessories at the best quality and the best prices since 1947. Come to H&M and shop for women's clothing and accessories inspired by the latest fashion trends. Here at H&M, the master of cheap fashion, clothes cost the average price of $21.40. Wow, that's so cheap and affordable. I know, right? H&M offers fashion and quality clothing at an affordable price. So, what are you waiting for? Come shop at H&M today! Hashtag Hot and Modern This is the truth your mama warned you about. TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org And Dan Newman My mama just always told me, make sure, son, that you find the truth. My dad told me something about lying. I asked my dad, how do you handle when uh, one of your friends lies to you? How do you handle dealing with that? Do you tell them to go away and you defriend them like you can do on social media today? And my dad, he gave me some advice that I thought was really good, and it stuck with me. He said, son, if they're your friend, give them the benefit of the doubt one time. But when it is confirmed to you that they lied, mark them. Mark them. And your default position when you listen to anything they say going forward should be, it's a lie. It's probably a lie. You've given them the benefit of the doubt. They lied to you once you found out. Then you give them the benefit of the doubt, and they lie again. Put them out there on notice. Don't necessarily tell them, but mark them and make sure you don't let them put you in a situation where you're going to get in trouble or do something based upon false information. Now, he told me that when I was, I think, 12 years old. It stuck with me. And that's why I'm doing what I'm doing today, talking with you. This whole thing, TNN Live, exists based on that and based on the fact that when we look in politics, which are very important to all of us because they impact our lives every day by what they do. Most of what they do, we don't even see when they do it, but we always feel the results. So we have a responsibility as American citizens, as voters, to determine Who's going to be up there making the decisions for us? And can we trust them? Can we believe them? You heard what I told you that Biden said, and if you weren't with us, listen to this just this little bit of what he said yesterday talking to the Democrat National Committee. He said that Republicans will crash the economy in an attempt to force him to gut Medicare. And he used the same speech to coin the term mega MAGA trickle-down, which is how he's chosen to refer to any Republican economic policy. He named House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, arguing that he and his fellow Republicans are going to grow the deficit by $3 trillion if their priorities were to pass. Now, just listen for a second. If it was me and I was in that DNC meeting and the president said this, I would be the guy in the back of the room that you would hear going, ooh, 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 call on me, call on me to ask questions. Of course, he's talking to his own people. 
So nobody questioned the President of the United States. And they just let him continue. He said Republicans have made it clear. If they win control of Congress, they're going to shut down the government, refuse to pay our bills. It'll be the first time in the history of America that we will default unless I yield and cut Social Security and Medicare. They're threatening to default on the federal debt. There's nothing that would create more chaos, more inflation, more damage to the American economy than this. you got to understand, this is the President of the United States. He's lying through his teeth. But you know what? He knew that the cameras were on, that people were recording everything that is spoken today. If it's not on video, it's always on audio. Somebody's got it. I mean, you can pull out an iPhone and hit one button and get real good quality audio from 100 feet away. And when he spoke, he was on a microphone, so that made it easier. All that being said, he did not care. He knew it would get out there. So why would he do it, you ask? Why would he do it if he knew that this was going to get out and everybody in America, if they listened, would hear what he said? You know why? He's scaring Democrats or doing his best. And he's also trying to scare Republicans that are on the cusp that really don't pay attention to a lot of political matters. But here we go. Two weeks away from the midterm elections, they're beginning to listen, and they hear the president, the most powerful man on the planet, make these horrible allegations against Republicans. Going to grow the deficit by $3 trillion. Going to cut Medicare, Social Security. Going to let our loan default to happen on the federal debt. And that'll destroy us. It's never happened before in American history. Wah, wah, wah. Well, he's talking about approving a spending budget. And the spending budget that Democrats want to use to spend is full of more pork, full of more horrible policies that are going to cost you and I, not even you and I, by the way, not even our kids now. We're talking about our grandchildren and great-grandchildren are the ones that are going to pay the price for this Bidenflation that you and I are treading water in and then any more government spending that goes beyond that. He has spent and obligated America to more than $5 trillion. Trillion with a T. This guy has lost his mind. And so what do the people think? 71% of registered voters say the nation under Democrat rule is on the wrong track. 71%. That's a record high. Only 20% say the nation is on the right track. 57% disapprove of his management of the economy. That's a record high. How many approve? 38%. 50% say the Democrats' economy will get worse. Another record high. Only 20% say it's going to improve the economy. They sampled 1,000 registered voters from October 14th through the 18th. This information has a 3.1 margin of error. Even worse for Democrats, and it does get worse. We live in a sagging economy. And sadly for the Democrats, that fact is the number one midterm issue for voters. Now, this is coming from Politico. They're a very hard left 
news agency, they would tend to lean towards Democrats and pushing or manipulating poll results in the favor of Democrats. Here's what they said. 81% of voters say the Democrats' economy will be a major factor on how they vote. 80% say the same about inflation. Americans have been significantly impacted. Everybody has. Nobody's exempt. Our soaring cost, that means that after adjusting for inflation, wages for American families are down Now, what does that mean to you? What you paid for your groceries, your gasoline, all of those things, what you paid for it a year ago, if it totaled $6,000, families are having to pay $12,000 just because of inflation, Bidenflation. That's an increase from an earlier estimate that put that decline in wages at 4200 It's up $1,800 more. We're behind. That's where we start. That's our zero mark. All this economic pain appears to be having an impact in individual races throughout the nation, even in solid Democrat areas. The political cook report yesterday moved Democrat Congressional Campaign Committee Chairman Representative Sean Patrick Maloney's New York district. Now, this is the guy. They moved his district from lean Democrat to a toss-up. Think about that. Representative Sean Patrick Maloney, been around for years. He's the guy. And his race is now a toss-up. The potential defeat of the chief of the Democrat National Committee, whose job it is to keep the House under Democrat control, would be a historic upset. In New York, the state gubernatorial race is a toss-up between Kathy Hockle, the Democrat, and Representative Lee Jeldon. In fact, Zeldin has a slight lead over Hockle, Hockle or Hockel. How do you say H-O-C-H-U-L? It sounds like you're coughing or you're coughing up a loogie. Hockle. If Zeldin pulled, and somebody will criticize me for saying, I'm sorry, I'm being honest. This is what I do for a living, and I find it difficult to pronounce her name. Just think about this. If Zeldin pulls off the upset, he would be just the second Republican governor of the state since 1975. Republicans have also expanded the map up in Washington state where it never could happen. Never, never, never. Republican Senate candidate Tiffany Smiley is within the margin of error of 30-year incumbent Senator Patty Murray, the Democrat. The University of Virginia Center for Politics put the race on upset alert. I can't imagine anybody beating Patty Murray. She's a fixture in the Senate, has been. Smiley, her Republican challenger, has managed to outraise the senator by nearly double in the third quarter. $6 million to $3.3 million by Murray. Additional polling suggests every Senate battleground state is in play for Republicans. Everyone. Though Democrats are well behind in states they need to retake, like Florida, North Carolina, and Wisconsin. In contrast, Republicans are doing quite well in Nevada, Georgia, and Ohio. Pennsylvania, New Hampshire, and Arizona are all within the margin of error. 
and we're still 14 days to the election. Now, you heard from Glenn Beck in the first hour. You want to hear from a real expert on election stuff? How about Newt Gingrich, former House Speaker? Newt Gingrich, he understands, and for a living, he watches the landscape of government, and especially at election time. Yesterday on Fox and Friends, he declared that the midterm election could be the biggest election for the Republican Party in more than a century, more than 100 years. He said, a tsunami is coming, his words. I think it's going to be huge, he said. When people learn that every single Democrat in the House voted for the Transgender Supremacy Act and that all of the Democrat senators up for re-election, every one of them, co-sponsored the Transgender Supremacy Act in the Senate, and they look at the details of that bill, they realize it would guarantee any boy who decides to declare he's a girl could go into the girl's locker room and nobody could do anything about it. That would become federal law. It would guarantee that students could be tutored by their school without telling their parents. It would place transgender rights above religious liberty. The Catholic bishops had a devastating critique of the bill. These are the kinds of radical things, he said, if you look, say, at the Latino community. It's the combination of the economy. You can't afford gas. You can't afford food. You can't afford rent. You can't afford electricity and radical values. And the two together are repelling people towards the Democrat Party on a scale. They're going away. They're running away from the Democrat Party. This may be the biggest Republican election since 1920. Oh, my gosh. So enough for election stuff today. I'm sure you know there's a lot of other more, not more important, but a lot of really important things out there that we need to touch on. I saw this story, and it shocked me to my to my toes. The Associated Press reported that a coalition of major U.S. companies, and those U.S. companies include Walmart and General Motors, those two with a bunch of others, are quietly lobbying our government to make certain import data confidential, a change that would make it much more difficult for journalists and human rights activists to link imported goods to abusive labor practice overseas, including labor, forced labor, in China's Zhejiang province and child labor in Africa. Now, what's this all about? I dug into it. A human rights lawyer, Martina Vandenberg, called these closed-door proposals outrageous and said American corporations should be ashamed that their answer to this abuse is to cover it. Cover it up in transparency. Curtailing access to this information will make it harder for the public to monitor a shipping industry that already functions largely in the shadows. In essence, what's going on the corporate executives who make up the U.S. Customs and Border Protection Commercial Customs Operation Advisory Committee. What a name. U.S. Customs and Border Protection's Commercial Customs Operations Advisory Committee. Those execs, those corporate execs that make up that committee, 
proposed what they call modernizing import-export procedures in a bunch of different ways, one of which would make data collected from vessel manifest confidential. Now, doesn't that sound a little sinister to you? What are they hiding? I think you know what it is. They're hiding abusive labor practices abroad And the people that are involved in those labor practices that are being abused, in most cases, are young children. And several big corporations that include Walmart and General Motors, they want that covered up. They don't want to be associated with child labor in Xinjiang province in China. And of course, it's from other places as well. If this flies... And I got to be honest with you, in the Biden administration, I think it's not even close to 50-50. I think it will pass. And if it does, this would frustrate the current practice of journalists that use shipping manifest to figure out where goods manufactured or harvested with abusive labor practices were sent. That's a key tactic in pressuring U.S. companies to stop allowing forced labor into their supply chains. The Associated Press pointed out this seems directly contrary to that advisory committee's commitment to boost visibility into global supply chains, support ethical sourcing practices, and level the playing field for domestic U.S. manufacturers. Corporate public relations departments have also been assuring that American consumers they wish to cleanse their supply chain of forced label labor and child labor. U.S. Department of Labor late September announced new initiatives to crack down on forced and child labor, including new reports identifying some of the most problematic regions of the world. You know, it's one thing to know something, and it's another thing to do something about it if it's wrong. And let me say this. Those two companies that I mentioned that are key in this whole process to cover up child labor, child labor. Of course, we always have heard the stories about Nike, that a kid in China, Korea, or wherever they're manufacturing Nike shoes, they're in these, these plants and they're manufacturing shoes that are sold for two and $300 a pair over here. And that kid makes about 40 cents a day. Think about that for a second. Why would Nike get a free pass? There have been some very mild uh, protests through the years about Nike's practices, but nobody, nobody has come together to really say, stop it, stop it. We'll give you to this date, and if you don't stop it by then, we're going to quit buying your products. That's the American public saying that. If they want Nike to just move all their products off of, the, off of the continent, away from us, not to bring them in, they've got plenty of other places on the planet that are buying from them and would be happy to take up, especially the high-end Nike shoes that are somewhat limited and hard to get. Nike could keep on selling all of those products elsewhere. But what is happening is these companies that are knowing it's going on, knowing that 
child labor in places like the Democrat Republic of the Congo to mine cobalt. That's a mineral that's in high demand for use in rechargeable batteries. Many of the estimated 40,000 kids employed there in that mining operation are digging in the ground for cobalt with their bare hands. Why is this allowed, you ask? Is this really going on? Yeah, it's really going on. Why is it being allowed? Let me tell you, for one reason. We're talking about General Motors and Walmart, Nike and other companies. The love of money is the root of all evil. You got that? The love of money is the root of all evil. Now, Walmart would say, we have stockholders that have bought stock. They expect us to not only keep selling these things that we're selling, many of which come from child labor locations. They want us to keep uh, selling it, but they don't want us to raise an alarm and let people know where these are coming from. It would force us, Walmart and General Motors on cars, it would force us to start using other manufacturing sources, which would mean it would cost us more, which would mean it would cost the American public more. What did I just say the reason and the excuse used for this? The love of money is the root of all evil. Now, it wasn't me that said that. Open up your Bible and do a search if you got one online and search for that. You'll find out who said it. Somebody much wiser than me and more plugged in than me. You need to know that. You need to know that's going on. You need to think about it. Should we condone those things? And when I say condone them, First thing you're going to say is, oh, no, we don't condone them. We don't want them to do it. But then you go by, you go by Walmart. I'm not pointing a finger. There's a finger coming back at me. So I said what I said, and it came straight to me as well as to you. We don't hear anything this week, last weekend, about illegal immigrants. In a national sting, I'm going to break that thing. In a national sting operation that lasted through August and September, ICE arrested 175 illegal aliens, all of who had multiple DUI offenses, some who were being accused of murder by vehicle. ICE said the nationwide law enforcement effort started August 20th, ended September 30th. In addition to DUI convictions, what else? Agents arrested illegal immigrants with criminal histories that include assault, child cruelty, domestic violence, fraud, homicide by vehicle, hit and run, and larceny. More than 11,000 people in the U.S. died as a result of crashes involving a drunk driver in 2020. An enforcement operation focusing on individuals who have previously been convicted of DUI some resulting in death or serious bodily harm, is vitally important to public safety. ERO, that's this operation, continues to remove unlawfully present individuals who are negatively affecting the safety of our communities. So who were among those that were arrested? Nationals from Mexico, El Salvador, The individuals were taken into custody in a number of states, including sanctuary states like New York and California. One of these guys, alien, 
A 40-year-old man from Mexico was arrested for first-degree homicide in Norcross, Georgia. He remains in ICE custody pending prosecution and deportation proceedings. Another example involves a 35-year-old Salvadoran national who's been convicted of second-degree vehicular manslaughter, and he was arrested in Bellport, New York. ICE is in charge of enforcing immigration laws in the U.S. interior, and ERO is an arm of the agency. So that's 175. How many more are there that so far are flighting below the radar screen? Yeah, this is the kind of stuff that's being done to these people that number among those 175. But think about this. Why don't we do this? Why don't we stop illegals from coming into the nation? Why don't we abide by federal immigration laws? Why don't we, why don't our people in the White House, in Congress, why don't we show some outrage for our leaders, our leader in the White House? Why don't we say, Mr. President, you swore an oath? You said you would protect and defend and you would abide by everything in the U.S. Constitution and also the laws that have been made legally by the representatives of the people, the United States Senate, the United States House of Representatives, and signed into law by the U.S. President. Why don't you uphold those federal immigration laws? And you know what kind of answer you would get? It would be for some social level. Oh, it's because these people are suffering. We hear it all the time. They're just looking for a better place for themselves and their family members. And we all know there are a bunch of people from Central and South America, even the Caribbean, that want that exact thing for them and their family members. We have the process to make that happen legally. We do it every year. We let one million, this is an average, one million legal immigrants come into the nation every year, more than all the other countries in the world combined. We've been doing it for years, one million. It's real easy to justify doing wrong, doing evil. But Mr. President, we see it may not be what happens in your family, but you won't all of the American people to abide by the law in every case. You don't want some illegal alien coming to your house in Delaware, slipping by secret service and grabbing one of your grandchildren and hauling them off to, Oh, I don't know Europe, Northern Africa. You don't want that to happen. Why do you let it happen to American dads and moms across the nation? It's happening. You wouldn't want one of your grandchildren looking at a piece of candy and thinking it's a starburst, opening up and eating it and dying in minutes because it was laced with fentanyl and came across our southern border. You wouldn't want that happen to your granddaughter. What about the granddaughters of Americans, especially along our southern border? Not exclusively, but what's happening down there? These same things are happening. You're not doing anything about it. Oh, my gosh. Mr. President, you should be impeached. 
And now back to John with the weather. Yes, Andy. Tonight, a big storm. Storm this! Get the soccer offer from Pizza Hut and Pepsi. With every two medium pan Super Supreme, you get a real soccer ball and four cans of Pepsi for free. Yes, a real soccer ball and four cans of Pepsi for free. Don't miss the Pizza Hut and Pepsi soccer offer. With every two medium pan Super Supreme, you get a real soccer ball and four cans of Pepsi for free. What about the weather, Andy? Don't resist and call 19,000 now. Those in the know like to stay in the realm of innovation. Join them. It's easy to keep up with the latest trends and own the latest tech with BMW Select as it offers you the option to drive a brand new BMW every three years. You also get to tailor your deal to suit your pocket and your lifestyle. Visit select.bmw.co.za for more. BMW Select. Dynamic finance for ultimate control. BMW Financial Services is an authorized FSP and registered credit provider. T's and C's apply. Grab an ice-cold can of Celsius and stay active and energized all day. Celsius is better for you energy, made with premium ingredients, zero sugar, and seven essential vitamins, with no high-fructose corn syrup, no aspartame, no preservatives, and no artificial colors or flavors. Celsius is just the essential energy you need to keep you fueled and active all day. Celsius, essential energy, live fit. Now find Celsius at Celsius.com or a retailer near you. Are you sure we should be out here? It's pretty cloudy. Come on, that'll pass. Really? I don't know. Yeah, That's just, just swing. I'm holding swing. a... Swing! <sighs> ah! Whoa. Looks like someone could have used Yahoo OneSearch on his mobile phone. Try Yahoo OneSearch and get news, sports, even weather. Get better results. Text weather and your zip code to 92466. Be a better golfer. Yahoo! Standard carrier text messaging rates apply. The view from the top is reserved for the bold. And the bold tell the truth. Truthnewsnet.org Somebody will jump on me for using the I word, the impeachment word, talking about President Biden. Put what he's done, what he's doing, put that in the context of what Donald Trump did or allegedly did that they used to try to get him out of office. They impeached him twice. And, of course, both of those passed in the House. The Senate, in both cases, decided and voted not to remove him from office. The first one was their interpretation of a phone call that President Trump had with the previous president of Ukraine. And it was very obvious what it was all about. It was targeted, the the part that they used against President Trump in the impeachment, It was targeted against Joe Biden and his son and what Ukraine was involved with, with Joe Biden when he was vice president, when he bragged about, Joe Biden bragged about holding up, hijacking a million-dollar loan guarantee for the government of Ukraine. Hunter Biden was being investigated aggressively by the lead prosecutor of the Ukrainian government for his wrongdoing at Burisma Holdings and the company itself. Oh my gosh. He gets away with murder. Nobody says a thing. Why is that? Because he is a Democrat. And they have uh, an exclusive on being able to walk under the radar screen and to not be prosecuted for wrongdoing. 
I got to be honest with you. I can I can almost bet you if the Republicans win control of both houses of Congress, there's probably going to be, there, there's already been several bills, impeachment bills presented in the House of Representatives where any impeachment trial for any federal officer has to initiate. Nancy Pelosi is definitely not going to let that happen in the case of Joe Biden especially. And so it's not going to happen, but if majority changes in both chambers of Congress, it'll become a big issue pretty quickly. And by the way, no question about it, this president has done a bunch of things that are impeachable offenses. And he needs to be held accountable for those things just like anybody. If it doesn't stop now, if it doesn't stop here, what else is going to be allowed for a president to do? They gripe about Donald Trump wanting to be an authoritarian. They gripe about Republicans taking over the House and the Senate, and they would be autocracist authoritarians because they would want to crash the government. That's what Joe Biden said yesterday talking to the DNC. So we mentioned Nancy Pelosi a couple of times today, and uh, she's kind of stood behind the scenes with all of the very controversial big things that are happening, Ukraine, of course, other issues, domestic issues here. But she did an interview yesterday, and the interviewer, as any interviewer should do, asking any House speaker her thoughts on inflation, how it happened, who's responsible, and for what to do. And Nancy, she got a little animated. But on things like sending, you know, those $1,400 checks, putting cash out there, I mean, didn't that end up contributing to inflation? Do you have any regrets about the bills you passed and how you structured them? No, absolutely not, because this that was necessary uh, for people to survive. Our purpose was was that it was inflationary. But the point is, is that when you reduce unemployment, it's inflationary. That is a fact. First off, she's starting to look like Michael Jackson in the later years. That's just the thing. I don't, again, I don't know why all the Democrats start looking so insane. I don't know why. My theory on it would be something like this. You know, Jordan Peterson often talks about how when you're lying all the time, your face actually starts to show it. The misery, you can see it on people. There's a certain misery. You can see sort of the, the, what the end result of the endless dishonesty is. And I think these people are so dishonest. They're so, it's, it's just such evil within them at this point that the facelifts and everything else is, is to combat that. But then it just, it's, it's sort of the physiology versus the, bleh, the chemicals. And I don't know what's going on. Anyway, she looks like Michael Jackson. Um, yes, lady, if you give all these people $1,400 and you're not giving it to them because it's their money in the first place and you keep spending all this money so money has less value than the money that you're giving back to the people who you stole it from isn't gonna really help the economy or help the people. But this is what they do. They pretend they're nice while you're voting for them to control you. Please govern me harder, please. I vote for you to take my money and then give it back to me and smack me on the butt and send me on my way. But man, this is all good. You should be feeling good about today's show because the point is no one is buying this nonsense. Nobody is buying this nonsense. And again, the polls are bearing it out. But suddenly, as I showed you before, Joe Biden doesn't believe in polls. And I don't think Nancy Pelosi believes in polls. Uh, And here's a little more with uh, Pelosi on what's going on with inflation. 
And the fact is, is that uh, when I hear people talk about inflation, as I heard him there, we have to change that subject. Inflation is a global phenomenon. The EU, the European Union, the UK, the British have higher inflation rate than we do here. It's not the fight is not about inflation. It's about the cost of living. Oh, it's not about inflation. It's just about the cost of living. Nothing they say has any meaning. It doesn't mean anything. Guess what? When inflation is high, the cost of living goes up, right? When inflation is high and your money is less valuable, then you have to spend more money to get the same things, whether it's your rent or to buy a car or to buy some chicken thighs. Like that is how it works. But I like that at least at the beginning, she was somewhat honest. Like we got to change the topic. (laughs) They're talking about inflation. Could Could somebody talk about my eyebrows? You see what I just did here? I mean, this is serious stuff. Uh, But again, she just simply does not believe that people don't like Democrat policies and that it's coming out in the polling. Why why don't the American people, according to the surveys, trust Democrats, but instead trust Republicans? Well, let me just say one of the you talked about uh, uh, what you perceive to be a change in momentum. Let me just tell you what I have seen over this past month. I don't subscribe to what you said that they don't trust us. Let me just say, I don't, uh, my face is falling off. Can I cut the commercial? I mean, Jesus Christ. So, okay, so they don't believe in the polls. Well, keep not believing in the polls, lady. Keep going. I mean, I really want you guys to keep going with it. You know, like, keep going with all your bad, keep going, chopping off genitals, no states' rights, high taxes, crashing the economy, war in Ukraine. Keep going, keep going. And we're going to show you uh, in about two weeks where, where we're all at with the rest of this. Wow, 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 wow. Dave Rubin asking the um, salient questions about Speaker Pelosi and giving us some real answers. Hey, guys, that's a wrap on Tuesday. I want to thank you for being here. Don't forget tomorrow, Dunstan Teo, one of the co-founders of Bitcoin, one of the biggest holders of Bitcoin in, in the world, if not the biggest He's going to be with us in the 10 o'clock hour. And he talked to us a few weeks ago about uh, cryptocurrency. Tomorrow, he's going to wade into Philcoin. You don't want to miss it. Again, he'll be at 10 a.m. tomorrow. My pappy said, son, you're going to drive me to drinking if you don't stop driving that hot rod Lincoln. So get out of your Lincoln. (laughs) And I'm driving a Lincoln. I drive a Continental. Have a great day. Have you heard the story of the hot rod race with the Fords and Lincolns was setting the pace? That story is true, I'm here to say. I was driving that Model A. It's got a Lincoln motor and it's really souped up. That Model A body makes it look like a pup. has got eight cylinders and uses them all. It's got overdrive, just won't stall. With a four-barrel carb and a dual exhaust. With four living gears, you can really get lost. Got safety tubes, but I ain't scared. The brakes are good, the tires fair. Pulled out of San Pedro late one night The moon and the stars was shining bright We was driving up great fine hill Passing cars like they was standing still All of a sudden in a wink of an eye A Cadillac sedan passed us by Said boys it's a mark for me By then the taillight was all you could see now the fellas ripped me for being behind So I thought I'd make the Lincoln unwind Took my foot off the gas and man alive I shoved it on down into overdrive 
mounted up to 110. My speedometer said that I hit top end. My foot was blue like lead to the floor. That's all there is, and there ain't no more. Now the boys all thought lost my sense and telephone poles looked like a picket fence. They said slow down. I see spots. The lines on the road just look like dots. Took a corner, sideswiped a truck, crossed my fingers just for luck. My fenders was clicking the guardrail post. The guy beside me was white as a ghost. Smoke was coming from out of the back when I started to gain on that Cadillac. Knew it could catch him, I thought it could pass. Don't you know by then we'd be low on gas. We had flames coming from out of the side. Feel the tension, man, what a ride. I said, look out, boys, I got a license to fly. And that caddy pulled over and let us by. Now all of a sudden she started knocking down in the gym. She started to rock and I looked in the mirror. Red light was blinking. The cops was after my hot rod Lincoln. They arrested me and they put me in jail. And they called my pappy to throw my bail. And he said, son, you're gonna drive me to drinking if you don't stop driving that hot rod Lincoln. Thank you. 